Welcome to Award Winners. I'm John, joined by my co-host David. We watch Oscar-winning movies while enjoying Oscar Mayer Wieners. It's a celebration of American culinary and cinematic pop culture. In this episode, we discuss this year's Academy Award Best Picture nominees, our favorites, who we think could win, uh, and even a few movies that got snubbed. We've watched all of the Best Picture noms. If you haven't, fear not, we'll try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. So Dave, what's going on? I'm really extremely excited to be doing this, doing this uh, episode. And here's the thing. I have the winter doldrums and I think this is a good way to get out of it. Have a good conversation. You know, I look forward to it pretty much every year. You know, it's just something to look forward to before before we actually get good weather. Yeah, that's about it. What what are you up to? Just a little bit of working and those kind of things. I'm going to take a short vacation for a few days. I'm off to Iceland. And then, uh, yeah, I've got maybe one or two more little trips lined up like a work trip, two work trips and some other things. One will be off to India and um, yeah, we'll just kind of see what happens in the next couple months. You're going to catch in an Indian movie? I don't know because I I think they're all in whatever the local dialect is or whatever the local language is. Sidebar, like one of my former coworkers, her dad is like really big, not in Bollywood, but in like another indian like cinema scene and uh, i tried to watch one of the movies but i could not find it subtitled in english they had it subtitled in all sorts of different languages spoken in india so i have the same feeling that that might happen if i go there like i don't speak gujarati or hindi or whatever it might be so like i will not be able to watch that movie and understand what's going on good luck Uh, i i hope you're able to find a movie with english subtitles because i think that would be a great experience I think it would be interesting as well. So we'll we'll see. Maybe I can talk one of my Indian coworkers into finding something like that uh, and going with me. Are you ready to get in today's big topic? Yeah, let's let's dive right in. So we're we're at the ninety fifth Academy Awards. So we've had ten Best Picture nominees this year. Dave, I think you and I have watched all ten. I've watched all ten. Have you watched all ten? Yeah, I've watched all ten. I finished up Women Talking, my last one, because it wasn't on streaming earlier this week. Same here. Uh, I'm glad that one came out before the Oscars. I didn't. I I still really haven't come back to the theater too much, and I prefer watching movies at home. I think at this point, actually, let's just run down the list, and then I'll ask you what your reaction is to the list itself. The nominees this year, in alphabetical order, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water. The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and finally, Women Talking. Dave, going down the list, what do you think of the movies on the list? So if we're talking about the slate of movies this year, I think it's okay, even like edging towards good. But I do think this year's collection, these year's nominations are weaker than 2021. And uh, 2020, I, essentially what I'm saying is I think this is like, it's an okay year, maybe even good, but I, I'm not like thrilled about this list. I have to say when I saw the list, there were a few on here. And then especially after I watched them, I would agree. Uh, and we can get into what those are in a moment. But generally, I think all the movies are pretty solid. Uh, there's maybe one or two that I would probably say just aren't for maybe even three that aren't really for everybody. Other than that, I think, you know, like it's it's a pretty solid list. 
So do you feel anything got snubbed this year? Yeah, I think the big one that everyone's talking about, and I, I really agree, is The Woman King. I love that movie. It, it's it's really, really good. You know, the acting's phenomenal. The action's phenomenal. The set pieces are phenomenal. I, I'm really shocked. I'm just shocked it didn't make the list. Then some other things that maybe I also wish would have probably made it. I thought I thought Nope deserved to be on here. Um, and then the other one is RRR. I had really, I really thought that was going to make the list. Like you would have asked me four months ago. I'm like, yeah, that's 100% on the top 10. Not even, not even a chance that's not going to be. How about you? I don't know if I've watched enough movies to really say what got snubbed. I didn't see The Whale yet. And that's one thing that had a lot of buzz this year. So I'm wondering if that one should have been included on the list. I don't agree with RRR being on there. I think it's fun, but not... (laughs) Not uh, not a best picture nod. I, I like Nope also, but I, I also maybe it's just my horror picture bias. I didn't really feel like it was a, a top movie of the year, although I think most people would probably like that movie also. Would you say it's a top 20? I probably, again, haven't watched enough of the movies that came out this year to say, but like it didn't, didn't strike me as like something that needs to be enshrined in the hallowed halls of best picture winners. Yeah, the thing with that movie, I think it's so it's lambasting celebrity and sort of Hollywood. So I think it's understandable why the Academy probably didn't nominate it. Right. It's going against their very essence. What makes you say that about? Nope. Like, why do you feel like that? That's like the underlying narrative. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I would completely spoil the movie if we got into that, actually. (laughs) Let's just say that the apparition has a very specific way of interacting with the main cast. And and I'm happy to talk with you offline, but Okay. All right. That's <laughs> yeah, fair. I just that's I'm just fair. trying not to spoil it because it's like I'm trying to connect the dots here and I'm not I'm not I'm not able to. So like, yeah, let's talk about it yeah. later. We don't want to ruin it for anyone because I think as Dave said, like it's sort of those movies I wouldn't say exactly like the sixth sense, but if you if you know what happens, it's not as much fun to see so dave this year you know a lot of movies came out we mentioned a few just now were there any other movies that you felt that weren't nominated for an oscar but you feel people should watch that came out this year so some of the movies that i really love this year that i think other, uh, everyone should check out pearl starring mia goth it is a horror horror movie prequel to uh, another movie that also came out last year x i think mia goth is completely underrated and overlooked in the reward uh, the award circuit I would recommend checking out Barbarian. It's not for everyone. It's really goofy. It's a horror movie, but it has like a, how do I put this? Like no fucks given. It's really fun. I love 3000 Years of Longing. That's by George Miller. It's more of a romance. It's a, it's a woman who uh, basically falls in love with a djinn. Then there's one that's probably on no one's radar unless you're really into Shudder. That is Deadstream. It's a evil dead inspired uh, horror comedy about an influencer who is the worst going to spend a night in a haunted house and he has to do stupid things for engagement. Uh, I laughed throughout the entire piece. And then finally, I think my best or my favorite bad movie of the year, and I use that as, you know, quotes because it's still enjoyable, is Moonfall. Uh, And it has my favorite line of dialogue. I'm going to read that to you. We scanned your consciousness. You're part of the moon now. I mean, out of context, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so you're, you're part of the moon now, John. OK, cool. I, I guess. Awesome. Did you uh, watch enough to dis- discuss? Probably not. I did see Black Panther. The way they handled Chad McBoseman's death in the movie 
Uh, I thought it was like a really nice homage to him uh, as both a character and an actor. I don't know if you saw that, Dave. I did. I liked parts of it. Yeah, there's like a B plot with the new character they introduced, Ironheart. And I felt it added like 30, 40 minutes to the movie that we didn't need. I don't think they actually sat down and rewrote the script from A to B. Sounds like they grafted everything onto it and they did the best they possibly could. They most likely did that because Chadwick's death was unexpected. They've already hired all these people. They've already probably started on the the, the graphics. The one thing that did really stand out to me, and this is not, this is still, again, not a spoiler because we're going to talk in generalization. Several characters come on the scene and they have what I'm going to charitably call terrible CGI costumes. Are you talking about those like white suits? Just watch the climax again. Uh, I just, I thought the character designs were significantly weaker than any of the other, the Marvel stuff I've seen. So interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, I think there was a Marvel movie that's supposed to come out in the near future that its release date got pushed back several months because they wanted to spend more time in post-production. I think other people have, made the same observations you have about some of the special effects not being as seller as they could. And I know in COVID there weren't as many people available to do this work and they outsourced more of it. You know, I think they are, are hearing some of that feedback and are hopefully going to make things better. I mean, I can point to a movie that's out for a while, right? Uh, Dr. Strange's third eye at the end of that movie was horrible. I was was like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. (laughs) You spent how much money on this? Is this what you got? I could do this. (laughs) I'm exaggerating, obviously. No, no, I I hear you. Like, I think other people have noticed that too. So I think we're going to get a little bit more of that and that's fine. I don't think I have any other movies to really mention because again, I don't feel like I watched enough movies outside of the list to say like there was anything else that was really missed. Did you watch any old movies you would recommend? The answer is probably Yes. Uh, give me one second here. Let me like pull up my list of movies. All right. So I watched the Chronicles of Riddick again recently, and I'm sort of enjoying that. I watched Riddick again, and I can kind of see where it's going. There's supposedly a fourth movie now in the works. I'm excited to see that. I liked those movies. Like they're not anything. Would you say they're anything special? I can't. I don't really think so, but I like them. I don't know why I like them. I just they're they're enjoyable, right? They're, they're, they're just enjoyable, very, very yeah. enjoyable. And, and, and what makes it enjoyable is honestly... It's it's Vin. Makes Vin just like doesn't have to do a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dave, you want to dive into our movies here? Yeah, so first up we have All Quiet on the Western Front. This is based off an anti-war novel about life as a German soldier in World War One. This movie is gory, gruesome, and horrifying. It will also hurt your ears if you sit too close to your TV. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a loud movie. I think it's up for a lot of those technical awards, visual effects, sound, and and you kind of see why. I, I did think they made some interesting choices in the movie. So the the music really reminded me they have like the same sound. I don't know what what the sound is exactly, but it sounds like the Westworld series. I don't know if you finished the Westworld yeah, series. Yeah, I did. So there's this like sound that plays when what are they called? Like the replicants or whatever are have taken over the humans and are like basically controlling them. I feel like the same sound is played throughout the soundtrack in this movie as well. And I don't know how to describe that sound very well. It's like a foghorn esque, like you know what I mean? Wah. Yeah, it's like a bell tone, yeah, stretched and discordant in some way. Sort of anachronistic a little bit because it feels like a modern sound played against a movie that's set in the 1910s so i felt that was kind of an interesting choice 
uh, I think you and I, we've already covered the previous version of All Quiet on the Western Front. I think that was a silent film, right? I can't remember. It's that was that's been a long time. We're talking like three years at this point. Yeah. So it was one of the first movies that was nominated for Best Picture. I think you and I covered it. I think they missed a couple of plot points in this version that I recalled a lot, both from the book and from the previous movie. So they had this drill sergeant who previously was like harassing the boys when they sign up and basically gave them a really hard time while they were training. And then he gets sent to the front and turns out he's like shit at his job and and all everyone kind of gets their revenge against him because he was so terrible to them. There's like this sequence of these boots that get passed from person to person as they die. They cut that out. And then the ending is very different than both the book and the previous movie. Also, they added this like B plot around these leaders, like slowly making a decision to end the war. That was sort of interesting to see how, you know, they were, again, like stroking their own egos or unwilling or uncompromising uh, to make some like small changes to whatever treaty they were going to sign. And while that's happening, there are thousands of people dying really for no good reason at that point, because the war is lost and everyone knows it. That was sort of my take on on that. You know, I, I kind of miss some of those things from the, the book and the other storyline. Dave, you know, what's your take on on the storyline or anything else in the movie? Before we get into this, just want to make sure everyone understands it was nominated for nine Oscars. And yeah, I think the two that we were going to you know really focus on here is Best Picture and then Best International Pick. What I liked about this movie, I think the directing is strong. I think the editing is strong. I think it looks gorgeous, absolutely stellar. What I dislike about this movie is that, for me, the characters didn't come alive. And when you're making a war movie, really, you have to spend time with those characters so you feel something when they die. And for me, I never connected with any of these characters. And in fact, if I hadn't already read the book, taken a class on it, recorded the mo- uh, a podcast about it, I don't think it it would have gone very far with me. And I also, I really disliked how they approached this film. It, it, it felt numbing because there's so much gore. There's so much violence. There, there's nightmare fuel in this movie, honestly. And I understand you want to show those things, but it hit a point where I was like, I've seen all this stuff. I can't see any more of this. You're not going to shock me anymore because you did it all within the first 20 minutes of the film. So there's, there's really, for me, no escalation of uh, horror, if that makes sense. Anyway, that's where I'm at. I would say this is actually really for me a horror movie and not necessarily a war uh, a war movie. I guess I sort of understand what you're saying there in the sense of, you know, it's just like one terrible thing happening after another. It feels like a slasher in certain ways if you're It absolutely does, yeah. There's just like people dying in in terrible ways all the time. Uh I think in some way maybe that's the point also is war is hell, I suppose you could say, where there are people being attacked all the time. Um, just the cruelty of all of it, uh, you know, like all these new weapons show up, flamethrowers, gas, tanks, and it's just more ways to kill people. And it just continues to escalate both sides. And and a lot of it is just like these guys out on the front that don't really want to be there. Uh, it's got like politicians disagreeing about things, sending other people to die. I think I've said this before. I feel like if Congress votes to send people to war, they should have to deploy with them and be out on the front for the entire time until they agree to sign a treaty. So John, the whole point of this episode is to figure out like who we think can actually have a chance to win a best picture. Can this movie win best picture? I think it's probably a top contender. You know, it cleaned up at the BAFTAs. I don't know. I think it will probably win best foreign 
picture or i guess they call it international film now will it win best picture i'd say it's pretty good chances probably again like top of the list here for nominations what's your take on this dave yeah i don't think this movie has a shot so so like what you said uh it did clean up at the baftas which you know is a big major award but i think it has some things going against it one it's a netflix movie basically netflix a couple years ago and kind of still just ruffled everyone's feathers right <laughs> they came in disrupted the industry started paying ludicrous amounts to get stuff on there and then right now i just don't think they have a lot of goodwill i kind of think everyone is seeing the perception of netflix is it's a lesser platform the other thing related to that is hollywood takes care of hollywood and there aren't a lot of hollywood act there's no hollywood actors in this movie actually except for maybe the guy who is baron zemo in the marvel movies I don't know his name, but he's like the biggest actor in the movie that's recognizable. The rest of them, yeah, I don't think they're like a Hollywood presence. So if you've got American actors voting for their favorite movies of the year, their favorite people are not in this movie. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. But there are some things it does have going for it. You know, we did say clean, cleaned up at the BAFTAs and, you know, the BAFTAs can be an indicator of winning an award. They're not a super strong one, but they they can be an indicator of best picture. And then it's an anti-war movie at a time when we're living with war in Ukraine. So maybe the Academy decides to honor that. OK, so next up, we have Avatar The Way of Water. This is James Cameron's 2.24 billion box office haul. And that was maybe a week or two ago that I pulled that number. So it's probably even higher. So this is a sequel, 10 years in the making, um, and it finds our forest-dwelling protagonist being chased by the reincarnated villain of the first movie. Guess where they hold up? It's a water village. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's, it's up for several other things, mostly technical awards, uh, best production design, visual effects, and sound. Dave, what was your reaction to this movie? Yeah, I, I like this movie a ton. So I thought the animation was amazing. The The last hour is a straight action movie, <laughs> and it is awesome. Really strong world building. I'm used to reading 1,200-page you know, books, 1,400-page books who like create their own worlds. So this was right up my alley. One of the things I love is James Cameron's love for the sea. He won me over. You can tell he loves the water, and he put that on the screen in a way that made me love the water. I completely understand what you're saying there. And I think those are the most interesting aspects of the movie. But for me, I would say it didn't really stick with me after the movie ended. Like I've pretty much forgotten what has happened more or less. In a lot of ways feels like the same movie rehashed, but in a water setting. So I don't really know where it's going, like where the series is going. Cause I'm like, are we going to have three more of these movies where they kill the villain and he just gets reincarnated again? That's boring. Can we get something a little different? Uh, I saw it in IMAX 3D, and I didn't feel like I needed to do that. So the first one, when I saw it in 3D in the theater, I thought it was awesome. It was probably one of our, it was probably one of the first 3D movies I'd seen that looked really good in 3D, and I was you know super excited about it. And I think that's why it made billions of dollars. Is everyone was like, "This is amazing! I'm gonna go watch this. It's a spectacle to behold in person." This time, uh, I was kind of like, you know what, the next one, I'm just going to wait for it to show up on streaming and watch it that way. So I am kind of out of the Avatar world here. I'm, I'm not like I'm not super excited for the next ones. I'll probably watch them, but I don't like it didn't do anything for me. And I, I wonder if if anyone else felt that way, too. 
I'm, I'm sure some people have. But I agree with you. Like the animation looks phenomenal. Like the special effects in this movie are outstanding. But they did spend like a billion dollars or something to to animate it. I think like close to a billion. They nailed it though. <laughs> so I mean, they should for that. Like it looks really good. You should go see it. Like you will have a good time. You could probably watch it with your family. And then you'll probably forget about it. Dave, anything else to add to that? I did want to chat about some things I think will detract from this movie winning Best Picture. This is true for the first movie as well. James Cameron can't write dialogue. He's literally terrible at it. He needs someone to come in and just make more memorable lines because he he doesn't write like how a human speaks or a, a creature with consciousness would speak. It it's just absolutely blows my mind that some of this dialogue made it into the film. <laughs> So the question is like, can it win best picture? I think it's a top tier, but it's not going to, I, I do think it's going to, I do think it's a lock for uh, special effects. Like nothing's going to take it away from it. This thing's 100% taking it home. And the big thing here is that Cameron was snubbed for a director. Um, like, do you think he should have got it? I don't necessarily feel that way. He had like the biggest budget ever. Is it really hard to do what you want when you have that? I mean, you still have to have talent. I'm not trying to denigrate what he's done, but at the same time, it's like, People have done so much more with so much less. It was like, this one shouldn't fail in any way, given the amount of money sunk into it. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. Do I think he should have been nominated? I do. It takes a lot of work to put this highly complex world together. I, I do think he was snubbed. And that's a really big indicator that he's probably not going to win Best Picture, right? So usually you have Best Director turns into Best Picture. Sometimes they're split, but it's very rare. And then the other question I had for you is, you know, why is this movie popular? I don't know. As I, as I kind of said, like I saw it and I am not going to see the third one in the theater. Like I'll wait for it to hit streaming. I'm really shocked to hear you say that in some ways, John, because I think the entire point of Avatar is to go see it in theaters and like the biggest experience possible because watching it at home on you, I know you have a good TV, you have a good setup, you good sound, but it's still not the same, right? I, I'm going to see the third one in theater just because that's how these movies are meant to be seen. I think that's what they want you to do, but I just didn't, I don't feel there's enough of a draw for me to go back to the theater for a third one. I basically got the same plot rehashed with minor variations. The other thing is it's like three and a half hours long, and then you're in the theater for close to four because there's 30 minutes of previews. I am not going to do that. Like, I don't want to spend four hours in the movie theater. It's like way too much. I'm like, am I going to spend my entire day like dedicated to this film? Hell no. Like, hell no. Cool. Uh, I think we've exhausted this. Let's move on to the Banshees of Inishirin. This is a dark comedy about life in a small Irish island town set in the early 1900s. Essentially, the plot is two best friends break up and one wants to reestablish that relationship. Yeah, well, I guess one doesn't even know why they've broken up. And the other one basically says, you know, like, I've had enough, uh, enough listening to you uh, and your problems. I'm going to go try to do something else with my life. No offense. But there's literally no one else on the island. So it's like, well, what else are you going to do? There's like, you know, 20 people in this town, something like that. When they say it's a dark comedy, emphasis on dark. It starts off funny and just gets darker and darker and more disturbing. (laughs) Yeah, I I appreciated it a lot. I I turned this on. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I really liked it. I think other people should watch it. I've recommended it to a few other people. As Dave said, if you like dark humor you'll like this movie a lot. It does get kind of unusual towards the end. It's absurdist, maybe even at the end, I would say. Dave, what's your take on the movie here? I think it's extremely 
unusual and an unexpected story, which is what this director is known for. I, I Unfortunately, his name is just slipping my mind. Something McDonough. Colin Farrell absolutely crushes this. So does Barry Keegan. Basically, everyone in this movie is very, very good. It did leave me feeling, you know, leaving left me with a lot of thoughts. Like I was pondering depression and the nature of depression, the loss of friendship. What does it mean to create art? These are all things that are I'm already dealing with in my life at the moment. And really, like this is probably the most thought provoking movie for me of all the films on our on the nomination list. And this is shocking, but things I didn't like nothing. I, I really like this movie from beginning to end. You know, I <laughs> I didn't see where it was going at all. And I, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, it's got a mini donkey in the movie. How can you dislike it? Oh, Jenny, best character of the movie, right? I'll just point out that there are two actors nominated for best supporting actor from this film, which is doesn't usually happen. So Barry Keegan and Brandon Gleason both nominated for the same award. So we'll see how that goes. I think that actually happened a few times this year. It doesn't happen too often because you cannibalize the vote. So does it have a chance? And I'll, I'll go first this time. I think this is a top tier. I think this is probably in the top three, maybe four, but I don't think it's going to win. And in fact, like I think this movie will probably struggle to even win a, a significant award. I think it's best bet is Colin Farrell for best actor, but he's going up against Brendan Fraser and he's going up against Austin Butler for Elvis. The smart money's on Austin, but don't count Colin out. You know, the, the Academy likes to spread awards around as we've mentioned before. So they might reward Martin McDonough with like best original screenplay, but it, I think it's an uphill battle for this movie. That would be the other category. I would say it it's uh, got a good shot at his best original screenplay. So anything else on this one, Dave? No, no, let's move on. All right, Elvis, next one up here. Uh, so this is just a movie that focuses on El- Elvis's backstory. And I was not aware of this, but apparently he grew up in a black community. And you see how this had a profound influence on his music and also how he knew all these other great black musicians of his time. So I, I wasn't aware of this. I think maybe most people weren't. So I think it's an interesting spin on the movie. I think Elvis's family was really happy with this. I, I understand that they were involved in some way with maybe fact-checking some things. Uh, It's also up for Best Lead Actor with Austin Butler um, and several other awards as well. In my opinion, Austin Butler is probably my choice for Best Actor this year. I haven't seen The Whale yet, so I I can't say how Brendan Fraser did in that one. Generally, I'd say this is probably one of the best all-around films uh, in terms of quality. So of of the nominations of the awards that it could win, I would say it's probably near the top for all of them. Um, Dave, what's your take on this? This movie made me feel drunk for like the first 45 minutes. So Baz Luhrmann directed it and, you know, he's very bombastic. And in this case, I counted this actually. (laughs) The camera cut every two seconds and I got extremely frustrated with what was going on visually. And I was like, what's going on here? I need I need more time with people. Stop cutting everywhere. You're driving me crazy. And then some other things I, I would critique here. I think from a storytelling perspective, having the narration being from uh, Tom Hanks and that this is the person who managed Elvis was a misstep. And then I, I I'm going to be honest, like I really dislike this movie. <laughs> it, it felt like a movie that you watch to make fun of it with your friends. Honestly, like I really did not like this movie. That being said, I recognize something here. You know, 
Baz Luhrmann's doing something different with the biopic that I think we should at least laud because it's not a standard biopic. It's not like popping from scene to scene to scene. Like it's a music video at times, like complete music video at times. So I, I think your point of the Tom Hanks narration is, is an accurate one. I hadn't thought about that. And, and I agree with what you're saying is that it kind of doesn't make sense for the movie. It doesn't quite work uh, because we're always seeing things from the vantage point of Elvis and then you have a guy like trying to defend his actions kind of in the background who was probably in the movie for 10 minutes. So it just seems strange that he's the narrative thread. I think the reason I think Austin Butler is up for, you know, best lead actor here is because he did the acting. He learned how to sing like Elvis. I, I think he was just really good as Elvis here. You know, it's not a, it's not a perfect movie, but it, it did things very well. And I, I just think that Hollywood likes this kind of thing. And we've seen other movies get a lot of critical praise when they've attempted something and done it well. So what was the Johnny Cash movie that came out with Joaquin Phoenix a few years ago? Walk the Line. Walk the Line. I think Ray before that. And there's probably a few other ones where those actors and actresses get a lot of attention because they've gone the extra mile to learn to sing like this person. So I I feel like Austin Butler is going to be recognized for that. Uh, And that's sort of my take on why I think this is at the top of the list this year is I think Hollywood tends to like those kind of things. So we, we mentioned this already, but he is, he is the front runner, you know, and then Colin Farrell and then Brendan Frazier. Yeah. Who is this guy too? He like came out of nowhere. I don't know what he's done before this, you know, like John, we're old. (laughs) This is a young actor. We're old. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. I did read a take about this movie that the reason one of the reasons he'll win is because he represents New Hollywood and he's going to like Hollywood's going to quickly push him up the ranks of A-listers. So just to piggyback on a little bit what you said, he is very good in this movie. He deserves his nomination. I think he'll probably win it, honestly. Like you could probably lock this movie, this this nomination away. Other than that, it's not going to win Best Picture. (laughs) I I would say it has a shot. I again I think Hollywood likes these kind of movies, so we'll we'll kind of see where that goes. Um okay, so everything everywhere all at once. I tried to write a quick summary of this and I'll read this out loud. Dave, feel free to add to this. It's kind of hard to quickly summarize. This is a I'd say a concept film where it's this idea of what if you met the best version of yourself, where they made all the right decisions and everything aligned for them, and then they meet you and see how things are different. And maybe you you recognize at certain points in your life, like things could have changed. But then we get into this weird multiverse aspect and other things just get weird. But I think it's uh, really like the underlying plot is about exploring what your life could have been. Or if what you've actually done is the best that you, it's like what you should be, not necessarily what you should aspire to be. Um, And you you should be happy with what you have. Dave, anything to add to that? No, I I think you did. You had a really hard challenge there and you you came off with it really good. And and so I would just reiterate that this, for me, this movie is about coming to terms where you are in life and question, asking yourself again, is this so bad? So this one is up for a bunch of different awards. The awards that it's nominated for, it, it's heavy on the actors and actresses. So it's it's up for Best Lead Actress, Supporting Actor, and has two nominees for Best Supporting Actress. I find that really interesting. Like, this is definitely... You could say that the acting is what this movie is about. I had an interesting take on this. Dave, I know you really like this movie, but I found it to be really slow. And it took me more than five sittings to get through. 
Wow. It, wow. it did not draw me in at all. So Dave, take it away. I know you've got, you love this movie. Tell us, tell us about it. Tell us what you love about it. Yeah. So to give everyone the background here, I very rarely see movies twice in a theater. I went and saw this two weekends in a row. I actually forced my partner to go with me to see it. I love this movie. It's my number one ranked movie for 2023. What I love about it is it's creativity and the unexpectedness of it. You you really do not know where this film is going to go. It's also extremely funny. There's a lot of empathy from the main characters. There's also some amazing martial arts, arts battles. I, I've talked about this on a previous this cat this podcast. I think I've also talked about, talked about it on movie films and flicks. I watch a lot of film. I see a lot of film. I read a lot of content. I write stories. So things that have an element of unexpectedness, things that I can't guess, I over overvalue. I, I'm going to be pretty blunt here. I can figure out a movie really quickly <laughs> just because I understand the story structure. So when I'm watching something and I don't get it, it goes to the top of my list because because you got me. You tricked me. Just wonderful. I really love this movie. And I'm shocked, John. I'm actually shocked it took you five times to get through. Uh, can I ask, you know, what was that first cutoff point? What was the point you're like, I don't know what's going on here and I got to turn it off? I don't know if it was a, a cutoff point. I just didn't find myself particularly pulled into what was happening. And I was just like, well, I'm just going to stop here for a while and go do something else and then come back. I got what it was trying to do. It just felt like it took a long time to get to the climax of it. Like I felt it was too long. I recognize that the first maybe 10 minutes are really slow. It's not what you set up for. And I actually had this moment where I was like, when I sat down the first watch it, I was like, oh, no, everyone loves this movie. I'm this is not what I expected. And then it kicks into overdrive in the weirdest possible way. <laughs> the underlying concept I like a lot. Whereas, you know, you're figuring out, um, you know, had I made some other decisions in life, where would I be? Would my life be better or, or, you know, would I feel better about it, but I wouldn't have other things. I like that idea of kind of exploring some of those things, but again, it kind of took too long. And then it, I don't know, like the, the assassin subplot thing didn't really do it for me. I think that got maybe too absurdist and I felt detracted from the overall message. Yeah. I don't know. That was sort of my take. Yeah, it's wild that this is like my number one. And I'm assuming this the way you're talking about it, it's probably your bottom or second to bottom on your list. Moving forward, Dave, what's the chance of this one winning Best Picture? This is a lock. 100%. You think lock. this is you think this is going to win? I, I 100%. I think there is no other movie that's going to compete against. Uh, it won the the Producers Guild Award last night. That's okay. that's like the you win that you're, the you're winning the best picture. Yeah, yeah it's a huge okay. indicator. Now we can say about other things that add to that story about why why I think it's going to win. It has a story of you know creativity, which Hollywood wants to reward in a lot of cases. You have a, a beloved childhood actor coming in onto the, coming back and just crushing it. Michelle Yoon has not gotten her due as an actor, and this is going to showcase that. It's just, it feels like there's a lot of things piling up quickly. I mean, I could be wrong. Don't get me, don't go, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I'm going to put this on my ballot. I'm going to pick everything everywhere all at once. But the the Academy is the Academy. Uh, they, they might do something wacky. Uh, anything else you want to toss out about this movie? Uh, no. Let Let's jump down to the Fablemans. So this is a coming age story of. Guess I mean you. It's it's a Jewish family and it's a, a teenager and the or teenagers in this Jewish family coming of age. One of them is really into movies and gets a handheld camera to start filming his own. And this is set in the West, California, Arizona, in the nineteen sixties. I 
kind of feel it's Steven Spielberg's actual story. This is directed by him. I think it's maybe written by him as well. Dave, what's your thought on this movie? Yeah, so this is 100% in, in semi-autobiographical movie. I wouldn't say it's 100% his, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know his parents' story, but it definitely feels like a lot of what's in the movie happened to him in his life. I feel this movie's fine. Like, like, like it's well-made well acted, well put together. It looks great. The acting's good. And I feel fine about it. You know, I, I have no love for it. I don't hate it. It is a movie I watched. You know, what this led me to think of is is like, what has Spielberg done in the last 10 years that I am crazy about? Right. He has his outsides legend in, in Hollywood. and He is a strong producer. He's a very good producer or director. And what I came up with is like, I really like the remake of dance or remake of um, West Side Story. But then outside of that, I'm like, all these other movies are good. You know what I mean? Like, like they're all good, but I like I don't they don't stick out to me. I mean, this one was interesting to me because I was like waiting for something really bad to happen throughout the film. <laughs> I don't know if we're just like groomed to think that given a lot of the family type dramas that we see. That doesn't happen to this movie. So if you if you're expecting some like terrible thing to happen there's some family drama but i would say it's not anything uncommon to families if you're shying away from this like don't feel that you need to i also i didn't like the ending and that that was really like i was kind of on board for most of it and then that's where it lost me yeah i i wish i had more like a nuanced discussion about it but other than that i'm just like it's fine you know it's fine and and i'm glad i watched it i could have spent my time doing something else (laughs) Speaking of doing something else, let's well, let's talk about Tar. <laughs> oh, that's a great segue. I don't even know how to describe this movie because uh, I'll just tell you my reaction to it. So initially when I started watching it, I thought it was supposed to be about the politics in the classic classical music world. So people go from prestigious orchestra to, to prestigious orchestra. Uh, directors move around. And I thought it was going to be about that because the main character in the movie, her, her last name is Tar. She's a famous... Uh, conductor and has conducted many famous orchestras she's an academic she does all these things and then there's a weird plot shift and it kind of turns into this weird i would say almost black swan like story where she kind of goes off the rails a little bit and then the movie wraps up i i would say like the cinematography is really good there are lots of moments i really liked about how you know, I guess there's these scenes where she she's like feeling more of like an outsider. And then you see her juxtaposed against like a window. And uh, it's very clear that the cinematographer is trying to show that she's like kind of sitting outside of um, or separated from like the rest of the group in certain ways. And there's a lot of little moments like that that I think are really good. So I, I think in terms of cinematography, this would probably be my pick for best cinematography for the year. But again, like the plot didn't really do it for me. In fact, like I totally lost the point of it at the end. Like, I'm not sure what message they were trying to deliver there. Dave, what are your thoughts on this one? I think I would have described it a little bit differently. So everything you said is true. <laughs> but I wasn't sure how to describe it. So yeah. tell me what the hell is going on in yeah. this movie. <laughs> this feels like a movie that is in response to the Me Too movement. And to make it fresh, they have a woman cast as the aggressor. Um, so this is following a character who this isn't spoiling it. I mean, it's it's very much like you know this going in is not a good person and is abusing her 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 power to get ahead. And that's that's essentially how I would I would describe it. It's but it's what three hours of that 
that's a good point, Dave. The it, it's sort of this like gender swapped story of <laughs> someone in power abusing their power. Yeah, they're not a good person either. Do you think it could have been played by a man? I don't know. I was going to ask you that same question too, because because we've had several movies that's come out already, and so doing it that way would probably feel a little stale, right? I think it would be perceived worse than it is now. Honestly, this this is like an interesting take. I I would say I have a really big complaint about this movie. For me, we've done this, like, let's follow a bad person. And it's kind of a sign of like, I'm going to call it like an immature idea when you're focusing on the abuser and not the abused, right? So we see Tar do all these horrible, horrible things, but we don't really get to see how uh, the people impacted happen. And and it's sort of like, this is, this is an imperfect me- metaphor or simile. It's like how everyone is obsessed Jeffrey Dahmer. There's always like a new documentary. There's a new, there's a new something like one came out this year uh, or in 2022. But if you're going to actually, like you should actually focus on the people who were impacted by this horrible person's behavior. And it just didn't do that. I actually wonder if that was on purpose because it's always from their perspective and how they're always trying to spin the story or take control of the situation. Like, you know, Dave's already mentioned this part of the Me Too movement. This person gets in trouble. She, she starts to try to delete any emails that are evidence of what what's happened. And basically, it yeah, it definitely just focuses on them and like kind of like how I don't know what would you say like they just manipulative, like, manipulative, but also like their their head is so far up their ass like they don't understand the rest of the world. Like they're they're in the little ivory tower thinking like they control everything. And then it's pretty quickly revealed to them that they don't, you know, like they think they're in control. They think they're in charge and they sort of were for the moment. But as soon as things went bad, you know, like they were called out and to some degree justice is served. So I did, I did, you know, go hard at this movie. There are two things I did love about it. First, Kate Blanchett is phenomenal. And she like, honestly, she's great in this movie. And then like you, I think it's cinematography is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The problem is it's very long. Like I was super into the first hour and then I looked down and I was like, I have more. <laughs> I, got, I was like, yeah. I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah. This is not a one sitting for me either. This no, no, absolutely three not. Or four, absolutely yeah. not. It took me two. So can it win a best picture? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. I think it has a good shot at best actress. But even Kate Blanchett is going up against Michelle Yu. Like if the Oscars decide to reward career, like they might just pick Michelle. Does Kate Blanchett not have an an Oscar? I thought she did. did. I don't know. I feel like she she does, but I don't know that for sure. You want to look it up since we're, we have yeah, the internet? Let's do it. She has uh, a Academy Award. Yeah, she has two, and she's been nominated several times. Yeah, forget her. Someone else <laughs> forget can win. Her. Yeah. Don't feel bad if someone else wins this one. <laughs> she's, she's been given credit for the good work she's done okay uh, i think we've exhausted this uh we we've closed the piano top or whatever that thing's called let's take to the skies and talk about top gun maverick now that we've entered the danger zone this movie is a sequel to the original top gun so it's about fighter pilots who are basically in flight school uh which is called top gun so it's a good bit of escapism especially in, in covid Unless you're Russian, because I think they're fighting Russians in this movie. They never say. It's no, they, they never, never say. say. 
I think they're Russians. I hope if you're Russian, you feel like you got kicked in the nuts by this movie. Everyone else, I hope you enjoyed it. That's basically Maverick. Tom Cruise goes back to Top Gun, and he's the next teacher for the next generation. Up for several awards, most of them technical. Dave, tell us about this movie. I like this movie a ton. Absolutely. This is a movie that you should see on big screen. And in fact, I think of all the movies on this list, you go see Top Gun and you go see Avatar on the big screen. Those are the, those are the event movies, right? You kind of nailed it, or you did nail it. You know, it, it takes the old, mix it with the new, creates a four quadrant movie. You could go out there and see it with your mother, your father, your kids, your your, <laughs> your nephew. Everyone loves this movie. Part of the things that I think make it really awesome, you know, it's a simple plot told effectively. It has a lot of practical effects. And so you would assume there's a lot of dogfighting. There's a lot of, you know, air, aerial combat. The actors were doing that. They had to set up a special rig so um, they could watch themselves acting up in the air and set the lighting up and record themselves. And I find that fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Love this movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, really go out and, and, and do it. The question is, like, are there any, let's say, detractions from this movie, John? Is there anything you disliked about it? It probably just glorifies, like, our war engine in certain ways. The plot is is fun. So, like, it it's not, there's not a lot of layers to it. I think it's a good popcorn movie. And when I say popcorn movie, it's just a movie you sit down, you get your popcorn, and you just take it in and enjoy it. Like, you don't think too hard about it. It's it's a really good movie that way. Uh, it's got action, effects, mellow, dramatic romance, like, all those things. So I think, as you said, everyone will probably like this movie. But I also think those are maybe points for against it um, in terms of like high art. So it's definitely not that. So if you feel the Oscars should award new and experimental things, cross genre things or blending of genres, like we don't see that in this film. David, yeah, what's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. I think what this movie really has going for it in terms of narrative, because again, you know, Stories are built around movies, and then the Academy will sometimes reward them for that. And the narrative is Tom Hanks fought like hell to put this in a theater, and that he believed that this would help hold up the movie theater experience. He's a true believer in going to the cinema, not streaming. You know, and I think that that's a big deal here. <laughs> uh, I would also say, you know, the practical effects. We shouldn't overlook those like he could have easily just done all CGI and he said no practical effects are the way to go. Uh, and you can tell this movie's going to look good in a decade while a lot of films that come out now are going to look pretty bad. Well, I wouldn't say pretty bad. There's just a definite visual feeling from the practical effects versus many of the special effects. But don't forget a lot of the practical effects are also a blending of special effects on top of what's Yeah, there are some too. special effects in it. I'm not saying they're not, uh, but I, I think the, the practical effects are going to help it stay better looking for longer. For me, that's really it. It's It comes down to, does the Academy want to reward, let's just say Tom Hanks, right? Or not Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks flying around. It'd be pretty funny. Woody, what are you going to do? Shoot the torpedoes. To infinity. To infinity. <laughs> God. Is the Academy willing to reward Tom Cruise? And again, he didn't direct this, but he's the leading force behind it. They want to reward him for everything that went into this. They want to reward him for his career. So let's not forget, he's never won an Oscar. Like he just he doesn't have one. He has a couple nominee nominations. And I think that's really odd. We'll say it that way. It's really odd that he hasn't won something, hasn't had a Lifetime Achievement Award, hasn't been 
just doesn't have the, the, the Academy's blessing in some way. I think he is one of our premier movie my career. Like, I don't know. He's not a director. I don't know how to call this. Like, like he's, he's a film producer, actor, technician. Like, like he believes in the movie. Stunt, going experience. He loves too. it. Yeah. He should be rewarded at some point for this. And this feels like culmination of his career. Did you know he did all his own stunts and cocktail? <laughs> he got that drunk. <laughs> He learned how to flip a bottle. That's what makes Tom Cruise such a special, special actor. He learns how to do these crazy things, right? Like he learned to fly a plane for Top Gun and he still owns, <laughs> owns it. Like, And he jumps out of like he skydives all the time. He does all those stunts. Like, it's yeah, he learned crazy. how to halo jump. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at his awards and nominations here. Uh, he was nominated for worst actor for Cocktail. By the Golden Raspberries. Didn't win that one. Only nominated. Anyway, what I'm getting at is like, this movie has a really strong chance of winning. I actually think this is number two. So everything everywhere at once is leading the pack. But this movie is close behind. Like if you pick pick this over everything ever at once, no fault. Like you, you're right on. Like you could win. I don't think it'll win, but I do think it's enjoyable. And I do think people should go see it. Yeah, it just depends on if the Academy Rewards a super popular action movie, which I don't I can't remember them doing it. I don't even know when the last time they did it, if they ever have. I'm not sure they have. Maybe Wings, the like the first one. Oh, yeah, actually, that's that's probably true. You, which you should also watch. We'll say this more generally. for people. You should see that movie if you liked Top Gun. Not the same exactly, but the same in certain ways. Yeah, practical effects. Planes, <laughs> dogfights. Right. World War One, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's a good that's a good uh, uh, reference, John. Next up, we have Triangle of Sadness, and the simplest way for me to describe this is to call it a dark humor version of Gilligan's Island, starring two wannabe influencers who get stuck on this island, and then things get weird. I really like this movie. I think there's a lot of funny moments in the movie. It does get kind of strange in many ways. I will always remember the vomit scene, which we don't have to get into. Dave, what's your take on the vomit scene? It felt uh, gratuitous or (laughs) (laughs) it's like this guy's like, I want to see people vomit more vomit. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's great. It's over the top. It's a lot of fun. I think people should take it in for that. Like that seems pretty funny. I do feel like this is the one movie that I was like surprised to see nominated. Why do you think this one got nominated? I have no clue. I really don't. I, I struggled with this film, really. Like you, I know how you didn't like everything ever at once. This was my everything everywhere all at once. I just like it, it just did not connect with me in any way. And the start is really slow. Like it takes a long time to get up to the actual plot point. Yeah. So what it comes down to, John, I really don't know how to talk about this movie. Actually watching it, I've thought to myself, do I even like satire? <laughs> because I felt like I just like I get it. I get it. Okay, these people are terrible. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, there's some like role reversals that happen in the film, like later on. Again, we don't want to spoil anything. Dave, no chance this one will win. I know you think none, none. I I I don't even think it's going to win anything. Like I don't think it's going just. It's a it's also ran, frankly. And so the one thing I would say about this movie is it has an ending that's worth discussion discuss discussing and i'm not going to ruin that for you obviously mm-hmm. but when you're done we, you could have a conversation about you know what do you think actually happened and then i would also say the marketing didn't really represent the entire film <laughs> like like john mentioned you know 
it takes forever to get to the part where you see in all the all the marketing. Yeah, like when I read a summary of it saying, you know, it's about people who are part of the shipwreck. It's like 40 minutes before they're even on the boat, I think. And I was like, where the hell is the shipwreck going to come in? Did I read the wrong description? Honestly, I think that's one of the reasons I was pretty annoyed because it's not the movie I was expecting to see. I had expectations as a viewer, as someone buying a ticket, that I'm going to see what the marketing alludes to. Like the movie itself might go in all different directions, but I wanted to see Lord of the Flies with rich people. And like, I got 20 minutes of that. Like, like it wasn't what I wanted. Okay. Women Talking is the next and the last one in our list. This is 10 of 10. The story revolves around women in a conservative religious community who are being drugged and raped, mostly in their sleep. Like they wake up. This religious community is telling these women that it's like a demon or something along those lines. They actually catch one of the perpetrators in the act, and then they go to the police outside of their community and have this person arrested. The men leave the community to go gather money to bail out the arrested members. As the men are gone, the women decide if they should stay and fight, forgive the men, or leave. Dave, what was your take on this movie? Yeah, I really like this movie. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But to be fair, I had seen no marketing for it. None whatsoever. I really like it. It's, it's, it's a strong movie, uh, good acting, thought-provoking in a lot of ways. Uh, for me, you know, I'm not a religious person. But what this movie did was put me into the mindset of a religious person's worldview and the difficulties they would have leaving or staying in a difficult situation. And there were points in this film where I was furious at them, but I still understand more about how difficult these decisions are for them. It's really strong, really, really strong. I don't know if it's Academy worthy, you know, a kind of nomination worthy. I, I like it, but is it one of the top 10 films of the year? I, I don't think so. I thought it was actually really good. So I thought of this list, this is probably up on my top three or so. Um, I think it lends itself to discussion really well. Like you said, I kind of wasn't exactly sure what I was going to get when I turned this movie on because I'd only read like a, a quick summary of what it was about. And I'm glad they left out depictions of sexual violence. Like, yeah, that's true. It's it's sort of just like, you know, they, they come to after being drugged and you see the after effects of it, but they don't really get into the gory detail of it. And I was worried we were going to be shown something like pretty graphic and it, it wasn't that. And they also kind of really draw you in pretty quickly. So they describe the situation very quickly and then get into the discussion. And I, I that pulled me in very quickly. And I liked some of the discussions. I understand. I agree with you, Dave. Like it's kind of you're like, what? Why would you think that? But again, you've got a group of women who are uneducated because the community they live in refuses to educate them. They can't read. You know, it's interesting to hear their discussion around what to do, given what they know about the world as well. Like they've never been outside of their community or colony or whatever they call it. So they don't know what's on the other side of that. They know things exist, but they have no idea what, what they'll face. So it's also a test of resolve. And if they feel religiously like this is the right thing to do i am reminded a bit of the movie 12 angry men not entirely but it's this concept of people in a room discussing something and trying to figure out how they should tackle a complex complex situation and having it described from different viewpoints i like that i also agree that you know we 
see lots of mention of Frances McDormand in this movie. She's probably the biggest name in the movie. She's in it for like five minutes. She spent a half an afternoon there. <laughs> yeah, she showed up. They took her picture. She left. And that is okay. I don't her. I don't think her character is a key character in the film at all. So I think it makes sense. They probably hyped her up a bit because I think she was also involved in the production of the film. And that's maybe where her name gets tossed in with it. So don't get it confused that she's a lead actor in the movie. Uh, she's not. I see you have a question here of asking who is this movie for? I really think it could be for anyone. Do you feel like the way they discuss this movie, if you had a teenager, you could show it to them and have some discussions about these things? I think you could. And also, you know, this is based on a, a, a true story. I think this happened in Bolivia. There was this group of Canadian Mennonite, some, for some reason, moved to Bolivia, started this colony. And this happened. This actually happened to some degree. Yeah, it's based on a, a book, which is fiction, which was inspired by the incident in Bolivia. The only reason I know that is because my partner read it. Did they like the book? She loved it. Yeah, she absolutely loved it. Okay. Um, she recommended it short. It's like 200 pages. It's not something that I am capable of reading at the moment because I have a backlog for my writing friends I have to get through. <laughs> With that being said, I like the film. I think you like the film. I do like the film. I just question whether it should make the top 10. I actually feel like this movie didn't get enough attention. I didn't quite know what I was going into when I saw it. I would recommend people see it. Okay, so on this list, Dave, of 10 movies that we talked about, what are your top three and i think we're just saying personally not yeah. necessarily as like oscar nominees so my favorites are everything everywhere all at once top gun then banshees and Sharon. how about you i would say banshees is maybe my favorite then women talking and then probably elvis third as i did like that movie i moving into predictions like i feel like elvis is probably at the top of the list for what i think could win this year dave what was your you're saying everywhere everything everywhere all at once yeah, I, I think Everywhere All at Once has a lock. I mean, if, if it's not 100%, it's 99%. Just based on the awards, it's won throughout the awards season. And then this is more subjective, but the momentum it's maintained since being released. So like it is, it's sort of just never stopped being talked about. The other one that you have to be really thoughtful on, the one they consider, I think, is Top Gun Maverick. From everything I've read, you know, in A Hollywood Reporter and Vanity People are talking a lot about it, and and they're really hyped on Tom Cruise and his love for cinema, uh, which is pretty infectious. Uh, the number three is the Banshees of Inisherin, but the problem here is I don't. If it couldn't win the Baftas, its home turf, I don't think it's going to win uh, uh, Best Picture. That's too bad. It's a good movie. It uh, is. It but, is a good movie. Yeah, Dave, do you have a movie? Do we have a movie that we're, we want to nominate for our award, the Golden Frank? I think you and I both know what's going to be, but let's throw one out there. I'm going to throw out Banshees of Inisherin. Do you? How do you feel about that? Kind of had a feeling based on our discussion that that would be the one that I think you and I can collectively agree is probably our favorite of this list. Yeah, I, I would. I would probably say that's like maybe the movie I would award our Golden Frank, which for those of you not in the know is the award winners award for best movie of the year. Yeah, but I feel like there are some other movies that we could say are maybe runners up for the Golden Frank. We both like Top Gun a lot. I also like Women Talking a lot. Uh, and Dave, you, you're really into this everything, everywhere, all at once as well. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, I, if it wins, it'll be, I'll, I'll spend more time with it. And um, maybe I'll get something out of it that I didn't catch on the first watch. I mean, if it wins, John, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be a hard movie to cover because it's so all over the place. <laughs> We're going to probably just try to recap it and and we won't do like an in-depth on every scene. It's just too, po not, it's not possible. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, hot dog hands isn't really a thing that makes sense. 
So up next, I, I did want to chat about this. We have two options here. You know, the great Zigfield is, is it Zigfried or Zigfield. It's Zigfield. That is the next movie we're going to do. John and I have been coming up with like a secret movie list we've been trying to come up with for probably six months. And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of it's on me. All right. I, I am dragging my feet. It's so hard coming up with a movie list. So I think Dave and I had this concept of uh, like, can we say secret like what it is? Or yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, I think we were trying to determine like if we were to put together a list of movies we think are important to cinema, maybe in the last like 30, 40 years, what would be on that list? And when you sit down and try to think about it and whittle things down, it is not easy. No, not at all. <laughs> so maybe we were going to focus that list into something smaller, maybe a decade, maybe the last 20 years, something like we're, we're figuring those things out. But it is complicated to kind of whittle down that list into like maybe five or 10 and, and figure out where to go from there. So the, the question I have, John, is like, do you want to just pull the trigger on the secret movie list? Now, I don't we don't have a name for it. The unnamed movie list. Or do you want to do Great Zigfield? I mean, I think it's a lot of work for the movie list. I think that's like a thing that we'll need to think about for a while. I've already watched The Great Zigfield uh, pretty recently. I'm prepped in that sense that I've seen it. I would probably just push for that to get that done. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Dave, just to let you know, and maybe your audience knows well, the 75th or 85th, I don't remember, anniversary edition of the Gone with the Wind Blu-ray is on sale with a bunch of extra features. I got it in the mail the other day. I'm also ready to do that one. Yeah, we can do that one if you want to do it after this one. It just terrifies me. It, it really scares me of all the movies we have to cover. That's the one. That's the one. I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to be thoughtful. That's fair. I mean, we don't want to half-ass it. All right. I don't have anything else, Dave. So we will see you at the Oscars, which are what day again? They are on March 12th, so get your fancy clothes ready. Other than that, if you want to contact us to talk about the Oscars or other movies you love, you can do that at David at Award Wieners or John at Award Wieners. You can also reach us on a bunch of social media at awardwieners.com. In the meantime, have fun at the theater.